Back in March, the front window of our house was broken one Friday night. Someone threw a stone at it. The next week was when lockdown restrictions started, before I had a chance to get the window fixed, and so I ended up with a board up for some time. Rather than leaving this as a blank, broken, depressing gap, I decided to take the opportunity to do some public art, to paint over the board on the window. I started designing a mix of images and words to celebrate the Easter weekend, the journey through brokenness to hope that is at the heart of my Christian faith. Starting on Monday Thursday when Christians remember Jesus sharing the Last Supper with his friends, I painted a bit each day, following the timeline of the Easter weekend. Jesus' arrest in the garden, his death on the cross, burial in a tomb, and rising again to new life on Easter Sunday. I've never trained in art, I wasn't particularly good at it at school, but I really enjoyed this painting project, working out how to express this story and the hope that is such a foundation for my life then taking the time to carefully realise my plans, using the few colours I had, a couple from my garage and a few others that a friend dug out for me. It felt like one of the deepest times of prayer I've had for some time, and one of the truest acts of expression I've ever done. A little while later I was tidying up outside, and one of the young men from the estate walked by. Really making the most of a broken window, aren't you? Yes, making the most of a broken window. Sounds good to me. I first met Alan 12 years ago this month when he took me on a tour of Gorton in East Manchester. At the time he was homeless and alcoholic. He was being supported by Oasis, a church-based community centre who'd introduced us. As a photographer and writer I was making a book about people who'd been excluded from the regeneration that was going on about that time. That book was published 10 years ago and I've kept in touch ever since. When he eventually got a flat, I helped him fit it out and I'd drop into the community centre from time to time. He was always there. Oasis has been his family for him. Since lockdown, Oasis, of course, has closed, but they still deliver a weekly food parcel. Alan lives alone in a second-floor flat. No garden around the shared block. In the last few weeks, he's been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. He's down to seven stone. Uh, So during lockdown, I've cycled over each week and sat and chatted with him on his front wall. He says, apart from the delivery driver, I'm the only person he sees each week. But I know that's not true. He's seen the police officers who come each time his downstairs neighbour gets drunk and tries to break down his door. On the week that he managed it, Alan showed me a blooded eye and lower lip. The neighbour has been arrested and released and threatened with eviction, but it still happens. Alan's also seen the hospital staff who looked after him for a couple of nights the other week when he nearly fell into a diabetic coma. Throughout it all, he remains cheerful. I'm happy, Len, he says. I have to be. This pandemic, to me then, feels like a tale of two cities. I hear people say they're quite enjoying working from home, not having to commute, soaking up the sunshine in the garden and tending the vegetable plot. The pandemic for them, it seems, is just on the news. And of course, others are hit hard. And like with austerity, it's the most vulnerable who are hit the hardest. The politicians will never meet Alan. They'll never hear his story. But if they did, 
I'm not sure it would make a difference.